1: To do is introduce somebody who's going to introduce somebody else. All right. I'm going to introduce Pastor Adam because he's a pastor who oversees missions here and he was the one who accompanied those 30 plus people to Nepal. So I wanted him to introduce our missionary bond uh, tonight and just kind of, yeah.
2: Yeah. There you are. I'm on the side. Yeah. I was hiding right because side. I was afraid. So yeah. yeah Genesis. Adam, where read, are you? Yeah. Read Genesis. Adam. Genesis chapter three. That's it's that's okay. Name. Do it for homework tonight. Okay, on um, yeah. It's a privilege to be able to uh, to have the Gowanas here with us tonight. It was so, so much fun hanging out with them and getting to serve alongside them in Nepal. So we went in February. We had a team of 31 people. We have a map of Nepal just in case uh, you're geographically challenged like I am. Um, there's Nepal right there on the really the, the northeastern border of India. It is halfway around the world, almost exactly. Like you can fly either direction um, and be about the same amount of time. It's a little closer. Uh, if you fly west. So anyways, that's Nepal. That's where we went. We went to the capital city, Kathmandu, which is where Calvary Chapel Bible College Nepal is and where um, Bond and Heather did the the, um, the groundbreaking work there to establish that Bible college work. And there's several students there. You guys, um, a lot of you maybe came to the Nepal missions report night. Uh, when we had it um, shortly after the trip. if you missed that, you can find it on our YouTube channel and it's just called Nepal um, Missions Night. And you can see all the information there, all the details. Um, so uh, just real quick, if you went on the trip to Nepal if you can just stand up because we know that you love having uh, having our missionaries here. Yeah, stand up. This is our team. And while they're standing, just a real quick note to let you know how much this has impacted all of us and our, our relationship with Bond and Heather and uh, just the, the ministry staff. Uh, at the Bible college there. We have been like in uh, consistent contact. We've had like follow-up meeting. We had a follow-up meeting where we prayed for uh, the missions work in Nepal and for our missionaries. And um, we have, uh, you know, the teams kind of meeting up again uh, tomorrow night just to reconnect. And so there's been a lot of connecting this week while Bon and Heather have been here. So it's uh, we're in this for the long haul is what I'm trying to say. And all these guys that are standing and even more that aren't, weren't able to be here tonight, uh, we're just tremendously impacted by the trip, but also had a large impact, and um, I'll let Bond maybe share some more about that. So thank you guys so much. You can have a seat. Thank you for coming. No. It would take too long for us to number off. Somebody was always missing, so Um, yeah, it was pointless, basically. It was just something to do in between going places. So um, yeah, without further ado, I'll introduce uh, Bond up here, and let's welcome him to come up and share with us.
0: Well, good evening. It is a great pleasure for Heather and I and little Brianna to be here. There's our little girl up there. Is she up there? Yeah, she's a, she's a platform. We use her to preach the gospel. Everybody comes running to her, and, uh, and she's a lot of fun. And so we do serve in three different countries. We serve in India, Nepal, and Uganda. We spend about three to four months in each location. Uh, and uh, we've been uh, uh, just hanging out in Nepal a little longer because that's where the Holy Spirit is doing an amazing work. So we've been hanging out there for just a little longer, but we typically go to different countries. Let me start out by uh, moving this this foreign up. Oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. I got a buzz. All right. Next. Did it go? Oh, yeah. There we go. So th- uh, we go to India. India is a population of 1.2 billion people. Uh, 50% of the World's Hungry lived in India. Uh, It's estimated that there are only 3% uh, of the people are Christians. In fact, most of the people we talk with never heard the name of Jesus. Uh, So this was the burden in our hearts as we uh, ministered in San Diego here in California. I was a full-time pastor. My wife had an amazing job, and then God called us to go to these unreached uh, groups. And so we started there in India. The next place we'd go is... um, let me see Nepal. Did it move? Oh yeah, I can see it over there. That's good technology, bro. I don't even need this thing, man. Look at that. I need it for reading. There. Oh shoot, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Okay. Nepal. Nepal is home to over 330 million gods who cannot hear, see, or help. Um, it is, uh, uh, you know, and they're under this fear. Uh, every, everything that's negative in their lives is because of God, uh, is after them. So it's, it's, and so we get to come and set them free from that. We give them Jesus Christ and him crucified loves uh, them dearly. Uh, and so, and then we go over to Uganda. Um, Uganda is 72% Christianized, but we work in that Northern section where it's a 95% Muslim in that Yumbe district area. We have a hospital there and, uh, and God is using us tremendously in this area to win over many of the Muslim people to Jesus Christ. Uh, we, um, in fact, we're, we're going to take uh, uh, two here from uh, actually Adam. Adam and his wife is going to go with us uh, this year, and they're going to check it out for you guys to see. I think he's just fearful, so he's not taking all of you right off like he did in <laughs> Nepal. Uh, and and so yeah, that's where <laughs> yeah we got someone who will go, and so. <laughs> And what we like to do is preach the gospel. I love preaching the gospel uh, here. The Sudanese crisis has come right into our area there, in a place in uh, that that district that we're talking about, uh, Yumbe district, and uh, and we were in there preaching the gospel and seeing many come to know Jesus. And pretty amazing place. Uh, my wife will share more about that uh, in just a few minutes. And so we disciple them just like Jesus said there in Matthew. Uh, therefore make disciples, teaching them to obey my words. And so that's what we do. We train them up uh, because we disciple them. Uh, whoop, I'm going, I'm going happy here. There we go. So uh, we, we disciple them. Uh, we also, because we disciple them, we built Bible colleges and school of ministries and it's school of ministries. Uh, it's similar to a Bible college, just a shorter version for the pastors. And so uh, we train them up and we get them out on the hilltops and Uh, And we have pastors all over the mountaintops, pastors in the low valleys of Uganda and around that that, uh, hostile district and also uh, in Nepal and in the mountaintops. We have a guy that graduates this semester who will be working in the Mount Everest region. Uh, That's where that's his hometown. And so we're really excited about that. And so these are our graduates. Uh, We uh, you know, it's fun. There's the staff and we have such a rapport with them and and with with us. And they're our friends. You know, I love at graduation time. I I tell them I'm no longer your your teacher. You know, I'm your friend now. So, you know, and so I'm going to overlook uh, I oversee your guys' ministry. I'm going to walk hand-in-hand hand with you. And, uh, and, and by the way, because your church partners with us, I hope that it comes across that we are in this together, that you guys are a part of what we're doing, I mean, uh, wholeheartedly. And so you get to have the rewards of what we do. Um, and so we hope to take many of you with us as we can, and hopefully some of you will stick, whether it's through marriage or whether it's the full-time, mer- uh, full-time ministry. None of the mothers were laughing through marriage part. And so (laughs) this is one of our graduates. His name is um, Milan here. Uh, He is one of our, our, um, one of the most anointing, anointed, anointed students. He was the first uh, graduating class. Uh, You know, Pastor Chris over there at River Valley, Uh, down the street over here at Windsor. Uh, He adopted him. And so he's watching over him. And I just wanted to share about him. He went back home. And he started a a church plant, and here it is. It's growing. I mean, the the first week there's about twelve. The second week there's you know twenty-five, and now it's just growing. Uh, And so uh, last Christmas, uh, Pastor Chris said, "Give me an update," and we shared about him. Uh, And then not only that, Milan asked us to go pray about this piece of land uh, that's close by his home. There, this is the little place that he rents. It's packed out. There's people outside, and uh, and these are the ones that can only fit inside. That's the biggest room they have in his area there, by the way. So you guys think you have problems? There, look at that one. <laughs> and so, and so uh, Pastor Chris went to his board and said, hey, can we, uh, can we do something for this guy in uh, Milan? And so, uh, so they, brought, they, they funded some money, and they were able to buy some land and this building that's going up. Uh, it, you really can't see the size of it. It's a large uh, sanctuary. Of course, his uh, rooms are there on the right for his living quarters. Uh, During the earthquake, the earthquake took his homes down, his family's home down. And so he wanted to build a place not only for him, but for his mom, uh, his dad and his brother, uh, two other brothers. And so uh, because of the funds that were given, we were able to start building this building project. And in about four or five months, we'll have it completed. Um, uh, I did build it a little bigger and a little stronger because I'm talking them into having it become a school of ministry because it's right before the foothills of all the mountains. And so I want to bring all the pastors from the mountaintops. It's an amazing work, an amazing guy. You know, uh, three years ago, he couldn't speak English. And here he is speaking English, calling me up. And just it's amazing work of God's grace upon this man named Milan. And so I wanted to share a new work that's been handed down to us uh, in uh, in where we live in Orange County there, in the Garden Grove, there was this Indian family, and God orchestrated us that we would meet. And he says to us, I have over 80 acres, I, and uh, we need somebody that has a true heart that will work uh, in this area and start a Bible college, a church plant. And uh, he asked if we would go, and of course, if it's free, we're going. And so... <laughs> Scared to death, by the way. Absolutely scared to death. Uh, it's in the south of India. Um, Modi is the prime minister. He's Hindu, and he's going after every Christian group. And so, um, and, 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 and it's, it's, it's a pioneer work. It's starting from ground level. We've, we're used to that, but we're getting older. I'm getting older. So it's, it's and it's scary. And, and I'll share more about that a little bit. But uh, would you keep us in prayer? Um, this is something that's in our heart. This is something that we're starting um, I'm scared to death, uh, and so I really need your prayers, uh, and, you know, and, and we'll talk about uh, the, the fears of a missionary shortly. But I'm going to have my wife come up here and just share a little bit. Yeah. Does
3: this work? Okay, great.
0: The screen's up top.
3: Oh, Nice. So this was a picture of the team when they were in Nepal. So you saw them here in your sanctuary, but this is how we saw them. Um, and so, you know, last year we felt as if when we came, we felt like we had made a few friends. And now this year, as you've welcomed us back, we feel like, you know, we're family and, you know, just seeing, um, you know, this This church that has adopted us and and really taken us up on the offer. Last year we said, hey, if you want to come, you're most welcome. And then I got an email that says, hey, we got 20 that want to come. We have 25, we have 30, we have 31. You know, by the end we just said, just bring whoever you want, you know. (laughs) Um, And so um, those who stood and everybody in this room who prayed and supported those who came, um, you know, the team together with us and our staff were able to to do so many numerous things. And I'm sure they shared all of those things when um, the Nepal night was here. But, you know, from anything from feeding lepers to doing art classes and drum classes and, you know, loving on our students at the Bible college and teaching the word um, and blessing our church with a barbecue and serving, um, you know, our orphanage and teaching finger knitting. I mean, you name it, like this team did it and um, and really came um, with hearts that just said, here we are. you know if you want us to take down a building, we'll take down a building. If you want us to build up lives, we'll build up lives. So when they were asking us yesterday at the staff meeting, so what's the highlight? And then I started cheering and I thought, well there's like a highlight every day you know so um, we're just so thankful for you guys that came, for you who sent them and um, just for everyone who filled the 31 plus bags um, that came and blessed us we had nowhere to put all of the things you know so um, we we think we're good on those things we requested for a little while but um you know we just wanted to say thank you for sending um and much like the team that that you sent um, to come alongside and to serve with us we took our team of students and staff and the village that bond was sharing about we were able to take those students and our staff out. So everything they learn at the Bible College, we don't just want them to take it in. We want them to go out, and we um, select a different village um, several times a year of one of the students in our school. And then we take the team, and we go, and we share the gospel, and it's student-led. So all the students now are sharing the gospel. The students are sharing their testimony. The students are doing the skits and the dramas and the um, children's ministry, and it's been just such a neat time for us. This picture was taken in April um, after the team had come, and one of the requests we had um, put on the list uh, that was distributed here was tents and sleeping bags and all this gear and you know so we were able to use everything that was sent to take our own team, you know, who didn't have things to go and do outreach, and now they're able to reach their own people with the gospel. And ultimately, that's our goal. Our goal is to train them up, not that they would be reliant upon us, or even upon the team that came, but that they would be able to reach their own people. They speak the language. They have, you know, the the rapport in the community that would take us years and years and years to do. Um, As the year started, uh, and as we left here last year, We prayed about opportunities, opportunities to um, do more outreach. You know, we had spent a lot of time, um, you know, doing the groundbreaking work, and now it was time to reach out to the community. And in Nepal, one of the um, places that was identified and an open door was given to us was a leprosy colony and um, they still do exist. We didn't know um, that, that there was one within an, about an hour's drive from where our campus is, and uh, we were able to take the rock team there, and then we're able to go there. We usually try to go two to three times a month um, to a people who are really outcast. Um, you know, they've been outcast from their family, they're in this colony, um, they're outcast from their society, and really no one um, was visiting. And we asked, like, does anyone come here? and they would say the buddhist monks come once a month and they knock on every door and they give an apple and so we said but we're christians and you know we can't come here without sharing the good news and the director who it's a government run facility so it's very phenomenal that in this country we have this opportunity said you know we're open to the good news that you have to bring and so we've been able over the year <coughs> and some of the ministry funds that you guys Um, send and support, you know, has been able to go to providing different items, hygiene items and things that lights and things that they've requested. But ultimately that we could go door to door and just share the gospel one-on-one. And even some of these ladies, um, when I had gone in, in February with the team, they said, we saw you. But you didn't come to visit us. I was a little busy. I mean, there's 31 people, you know, um, and so they said, you know, we were wondering if you would come if you would come back and visit us. Um, so this is Sabitri Tree and also um, Devi Kumar. Maybe some you know some people in the church had met them, but um, you know they're just hungry to know the hope that lies within us. Um, another outreach opportunity last summer, we were serving in Uganda, um, and. Um, I work with an organization called Promised Child that partners with Calvary Chapels, and um, and we were um, doing outreach opportunities in a nearby city and meeting with different children to see if they were um, prospective for our program. It's a child sponsorship program, and, and as um, we were looking down the dirt road, these cattle cars just kept coming by, filled with people, and of course, you know, I'm curious, so I'm like, where are they going? What's going on? And, you know, um, and so I made our guys, like, our translators, come on, we have to go find out what's going on. And it was just the beginning of a crisis, and Sudanese um, people were coming from South Sudan because of the war over the border where we, where we were in Uganda. And just thousands and thousands of people were coming every day. An estimated 2,000 people at that time were coming over the border, and by the time we left... Um, there were 15,000 people in the camp. And, um, you know, we just felt like, how can we reach 15,000 people? These are unreached people groups from South Sudan that speak eight different languages, and, you know, 50% of them are illiterate. And, you know, what What can we do? And the Lord just really put it on Von and I's heart. Spiritually, they are in desperate need. You know, the UN is feeding them. There's other relief organizations there, and, and we just didn't have those resources. And, you know, people just you know, were welcoming us. We just went tent by tent and just started sharing the gospel with kids and people and parents and, you know, and women who had lost their husbands, who had seen their family members killed in war. And it was something that we had never experienced. We had experienced natural disasters, but never, um, you know, the ramifications of war. And so we just thought, our our peace. Our peace is the spiritual peace. We can bring that hope of the gospel. We can't feed every single person in that camp, but we can bring the gospel to them. And we know that that will last for eternity. And so we're excited to announce and to share with you that there have been several churches planted in the, in the actual refugee camp, indigenous tents, you know, um, that were put up. And now some of our pastors who've graduated from the school of ministry are going into the camps. And so we'll get a chance to be able to be there and serve with them. Um, We do ask for your prayers. We're hoping that there'll be an opportunity for Pastor Adam and his wife to be able to visit with us and just pray with us and see what the Lord would have. As there's now 275,000 people in the refugee camp, that is about 30 minutes from where we are are working with five Calvary chapels now strategically located around this camp. The camp just came right in the middle. So we see that as an opportunity. But we get to love kids um, and hug them and pray for them and disciple them on on your behalf. We are your missionaries. And so um, some of you even support promised children. And it's just a joy and a privilege for us to be um, your hands and feet this is our, um, we have a promised child orphanage that we shared about last year in Nepal. And all of the supplies, there was so much that was left behind. This was Good Friday. And so um, we got to use all the craft supplies from The Rock and um, and just, you know, celebrate Easter with them for the first time. I was thinking it was the first time they got to have Resurrection, Good Friday, and then Resurrection Sunday with us. They come to our church, and I get to pour into them during the week. But these are their sweet faces and my sweet daughter. Um So we've been able to give study Bibles, and we've been able to um, give school supplies and food to uh, widows and mothers, all as a platform to share the gospel. And that's all because we've been able to partner together with your fellowship, and we just feel so loved. We will have a table um, out in the foyer. We'd love to meet those of you who we haven't met, and we have prayer cards. We covet your prayers. Um, if you'd like to keep updated on, you know, what is happening as we kind of go from place to place or keep track of where we are and how you can pray for us, there's a sign-up. You can just put your name and email, and we'll send you an update about once a month. We try to send those out, and we'd love to give you our prayer card and give you more information. If you want information about Promised Child or partnering with us, we'll be back there. So thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, let's get into the Word of God. Let's get into 1 Kings chapter 19. Together we are changing the world for Jesus Christ, Amen. amen? It's a lot of fun for us to be your hands and feet in 1 Kings chapter 19. You know, uh, we're a 21st century missionary, and we are truly blessed, to say the least. You know, when I, when I think of our, our forefathers, uh, you know, Hudson Taylor or William Carey, and, and the months they spent on the ocean uh, to get to their places in India and China, uh, and then to, to even send a letter back home, it took months for them To to get the letter back home and then receive a letter took even more months to get back to them wherever they were at. And, you know, the hardship, the disease and all these things were uh, upon our forefathers. And, and, you know, being a 21st century missionary, we're we're really blessed. Uh, If I'm lost in the Himalayas, you know, and, and I've been lost a few times. I just pull out my smartphone and I turn it on and I say, get me down to Kathmandu. And it says... Over the mountain or under the mountain, and I'm like the easiest route is under. Please, you know, and so, you know, if I'm if I need a Coca Cola, I just say where's the nearest Coca Cola, and it directs me. You know, our smartphones are so amazing. Um, I was in the wet east Nepal, and my interpreter says you have a yellow tongue, and I'm like a yellow tongue, and so I turn my smartphone on and I look, and I I sure do have a yellow tongue. I said that's scary. You know, I've never had a yellow tongue before. And so what do I do? I Google it. I go, okay, let me find out what is really going on. And I write on Google, what is yellow tongue? And it says there, I'm going to die. And, you know, And I'm like... <laughs> says your liver is going out please go to the hospital and I'm like you kidding me you know I, I don't have time for this and so the the, the comments down below I, I reached finally a, a, a comment of this young man that says don't listen to this guy just drink water and it will go away and I'm like day one day two day three and I'm always sticking my tongue out this, is it le-? and I'm telling asking my wife how does it look and she goes it's bad and you know what and then day 3 finally it's gone and I'm like praising the lord you know and uh and she says no more coca-cola for you you know and I'm like yeah I'm not drinking any more coca-cola there but you know whatever chemical it was it, you know when I was looking up yellow tongue it had black hairy tongue and I'm like I don't even want to know what that is you know just it was horrible some of the things you know um you know we were uh we don't swim in the water uh you know we used to swim in the water but we don't do that anymore um, it, just because there's amoebas, there's all kinds of things, you just never know what's in the water. Uh, but on this recent trip that you saw the picture of, us there in Dumri at Milan's home, uh, it was 95 degrees and the humidity was off the chart. And on day three, we surrendered. We said, let's get into that water. Uh, And there was a dam that was built up. And you know Aaron. Aaron, he's my Timothy. He's six four, And he gets up. He couldn't even touch, uh, you know, the the sky from touching the ground. The water was so deep. So we all jump in there. And we're just having fun. And Heather comes to film us. And she's saying, look at it. When it's hot, this is where all the young men and the old guys go. And then she's filming like this. And she says, oh, water buffaloes are coming. Oh. Water buffaloes are now swimming in the hole the guys were swimming in. And I was thinking, all kinds of insects are on top of those water buffaloes, and they're taking a bath in the same water that I'm in. And I'm thinking, okay, that's it. I'm going to have some amoeba. I'm going to have some kind of worm coming out of me, out of my skin. I'm going to have to take some kind of, you know, medicine or, you know, something. And I'm, I, I not, everybody got sick. So I thought that for sure what happened, it was because some the cook didn't cook the food right. But uh, three, four days later, we all were healed. And I was thanking the Lord. We didn't get some kind of insect or parasite in our body. So you know, it, it, you know, most of the water in the city uh, is filtered now. That you can buy pretty much water bottles anywhere, everywhere. Uh, but some there are still challenges. Uh, but there's food. Uh, the food is good in the in the in the capitals. You know, uh, uh, and we can still eat pretty much uh, what we want. You know, every now and then you you, you get a belly ache for three or four days. It's great for weight loss. But you know, uh, you know. Be honored that you're an American, you know, that be, be blessed because you don't put up with these things, you know? Uh, and so some of these things, you know, but some of the things that I think of my forefathers, some of the things that they went through, that we went through or that we're going through uh, are the same, the same kind of faith to forsake home, the, the pleasures of home. I'm, I'm an American through and through. You, you can't ask me, you know, uh, y- if you ask me where's home, you know, India, you're going home, and I'm, no, 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 America is my home, you know, and, and you have the finest of finest here in America, and we are blessed beyond measure, and, and I'll never forsake home, you know, and, and so to leave home, just, just for the physical sake, you know, uh, just leaving the physical, the material things, you know, it's tough, it's tough. And then take your family, you know, and and stepping out in faith and saying, God, lead me to the right community. Lead me to the right people group. Lead me to that one individual that's going to change that whole area there. Holy Spirit, direct my footsteps. And And I, you know, and I pray the same way that Hudson Taylor prayed, you know, William Carey and all these great men of God. My forefathers, That I love reading the biographies. You know, I'm on my knees asking for, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading. And it's the same faith, the same faith that we rely, that they relied on hope. I hope that someone says the check. I hope that someone partners with us in prayer, you know, because prayer is the one that does it. Prayer is the motor for us, but it keeps us safe, you know? Um, and so by faith, you know, tremendous faith. And I, and I can, I, I, I look at them and I think this is what they did. And this is what we're doing. You know, the faith to leave your mom and dad, you know, the faith uh, to leave or to take, you know, your wife and your little baby to leave America and go to these places that are it's that, that, a hostile environment for their immune system. I mean, it really is. It's tough. I think another thing that I can relate to our forefathers is fear. I have tremendous fears. Uh, fears that sometimes can cripple my mind and cripple my body that I can't leave. You know, the, the, the difference between me and most people is that I get my eyes back on Christ Jesus really quick. So my my fears are removed quite quickly, but they're there. I think of Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. These are verses that I turn to in times of fear. You know, I, I, you know, when I think about going, working, uh, going to the south and working there, tremendous fears, persecution. I, I, we're in a hostile Hindu area with Muslims. We're right there all, along the Arabian Peninsula, you know, on the Arabian Sea, and, and the Muslims have come over there, and, and so they're taking over that area. And so we're, we're going back to, to win it for Jesus Christ. But it's fearful. And so will you pray for us, you know? But I just want to uh, talk about fears for just a moment. Uh, Because it's real, it's real here in America, it's real in our lives, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we're always, we always have these, 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 this battle with fears in our soul, you know, so much going around us today, wars, conflicts, persecution, violence, crimes, natural disasters, terrorism, you know, economic uncertainties, uh, unemployment, divisions, disease, Death. We fear for our children's future, our, our husband, our wife. We, there's a lot of fears. And the, things about, the thing about fears is that it can cripple you. It can cause you to quit eating. And then your bodily, your, your, your chemical body goes haywire. And then you find no solution to your problem. You find no out, out of your circumstance. And, and, and it happens to everybody at specific times in their lives. And some, they live with this every moment of the day. And I want to encourage you that the one thing that I do very quickly is I get my eyes off of the circumstance and I put them on Jesus and his word. He's the only hope. Psalms 23, 4, and we're familiar with this verse. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I remind myself of these beautiful verses in times of fear. I remember reading about Samuel in First Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. He had just done a battle with the Philistines. Young guy, you know, uh, and, and he, he says this in verse 12 of chapter 7. He says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between mispas and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. What Samuel said is that I'm putting up a memorial, that we can always look back and say, from the time that I gave my life to Jesus, which was probably about eight years old, up until now, probably in his early 20s, mid-20s, he says, God has been for me. Thus far, God has been for me. And now I've been a Christian for many, many, many years now. And I look back at my life, and when I gave my life to Jesus up to this point in the mission field, I come to this conclusion, thus far, the Lord has been with me. And this gets me through my trials. This gets me through my fears. This gets me out of my circumstances, this, this box that I created that I can't get out of. And I remember thus far the Lord has been with me. This evening I want to look at another man who had tremendous fears. is a man by the name of Elijah. Before we read this in chapter 19, I want to give you his bio You know, this is a, you know, when I think of the great men of God, you have to put this guy in a high, uh, I I rank him very high. You know, I look at this guy and I say, man, this is the kind of brother that I would love to hang out with. This is my bro right here, you know, because he's a man of man. He's a man of God. Uh, Three times fed with divine supplies. He was fed by a raven, by a widow, by angel. He was a fearless reformer. Remember that uh, the 450 false prophets came and they called upon God, but God did, their gods did not answer. And then Elijah said, you know, he call, called fire from the sky and God answered him and fire came out. Uh, amazing reformer. He rebuked kings. He was mighty in prayer, divinely honored. The miracles of Elijah. There was a drought, meal and oil multiplied for the widow, child restored to life, sacrifice consumed by fire, captains and men slain by fire, rain brought on. Remember that little fist he kept saying to the servant, do you see any water? And the servant said, not yet. And then the seventh time he's praying, he says, I see a fist coming out of the sea. You know, this great man of God, you know, that that we say that we that we were going to read about. The waters of Jordan divided. You know, this, this is this amazing man. This is the kind of bro that I would love to hang out with. A lot of people say, I like to hang out with Bond. No, 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 I like to hang out with someone like this guy. This guy is fearless, you know? But I say all this to say this. Here's this great man of God, but we're going to see fear cripple him. And I say that to say to you, it could happen to you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. This is where he's going to make his mistake. He takes his eyes off God. Let's read it. Chapter 19, verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done also... How he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel, that wicked woman, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. And th- this is kind of where it just shocks the heck out of me, where he says to God, he says to God, just let me die now. I'm like, what? wait a minute. This is the reformer. This is the great man of God that I just read his bio. And now he's just saying, I just, just, I'm done. You know, take my life, Lord. I'm worthless. He has come to a place in his life where he is blinded by his circumstance and his situation, and he's so fearful, now he can't see his way out. Look at some of the things that he has done here uh, that truly, truly causes him to go deeper into depression. First, verse 3, and when he saw that he arose and ran for his life. So what he saw was the letter or maybe the men that came out to Elijah to say that we're here to take your life. Uh, in the name of Jezebel. And so what he did is that he took his eyes off of Jesus and has you know put them on his, this woman. Uh, he just killed 450 men, he would, or judged them, uh, you know? And, and, and now he's fearful of this one woman that commands military. He, he's already shut down military men. And, and now he's so fearful, he's taken his eyes off of God and his great power and his great ability And he's put him on himself, and now he finds no way out. And so he runs in fear. He ran for his life. So that's, you know, the number one rule, my friends. Don't take your eyes off of Jesus. Keep your eyes on him at all times. Make sure you're reading your word, because this is primarily how he's going to speak to you. And he'll speak to us, and we're going to see in a still, small voice through his word and encourage us. But he runs. Verse 4 he, 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 but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Now, notice he left his, his servants on there on the desert road and then took off by himself. That's a no-no. Don't, don't get out there by yourself, my friends, because that's what the devil will do. He wants to get you by yourself and then condemnation, there's no way out, you're, you're worthless, you're no good. You know, find help. Pastor Ross and the, and, the, and the staff is here for you. I'm here for you tonight. I would love to encourage you. I'd love to pray for you. If that's you tonight, that you're boxed in, you, you see no life ahead of you, we're here for you. We're here to help you, but don't do it alone. That's, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to get you alone. And then he throws all these lies at you, and he says death is far better than life, and that's the worst lie of them all. The commit suicide is a lie from the devil. And what the devil is doing is trying to bring pain to the heart of God by taking your life. And if you're there this evening, find help. Find us. We'll walk through this with you. You know, we, we, we care about you. We love you. We want to minister to you. We want to help you. We want to walk alongside you. We don't want you to find yourself by yourself and thinking these thoughts. We want to minister to you. So Pastor Ross and the staff is here for you. But do not leave. Do not leave here without that help. God wants us to help you. He put us here for you. And he cries out that I might die. And said, it is enough now, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my father. Now there's that hint of pride. He's like, God has used me so greatly that I'm going to be used to radically change the nation of Israel. And when Israel wasn't changed, especially after that great 450 you know, uh, judgment upon the prophets and the, and, the, and the nation of Israel didn't repent, they went back on worshiping the false God, he felt worthless. He he's felt like his other, uh, the forefathers. And he said, I'm useless. I'm just like my forefathers. And, and, and so he, he estimated himself being used by God very high. And when God didn't use him, the way that he thought he wanted to commit suicide or to at least take my life. And, and be careful, leaders, you know? I, I have to be honest. I, I have to be honest with you in this. I'm afraid of failure in South India. I really am. And so will you pray? That's just pride. That's just pride. I, I, you know, I've been successful, and uh, you know, I shouldn't say I, but the Lord has been successful using me. I've been, yes, sir, yes, sir, you know, kind of guy. Um, but It's there. And that hint of pride is there in my life. And, and I don't want to fail. And, and so I'm fearful. I'm fearful of taking my little daughter to these foreign countries, little Brianna. You know, um, when she was barely born, I put her in a carrier. And mothers you know, from all cultures come running. And I can see them going, oh! And they start running. And I'm like, and I'm looking for exits. I'm looking for bathrooms. I'm, you know, it's, it's, it's sweet what they want to do. They want to grab her chubby cheeks. But they may miss and put their dirty hands right into her mouth and have this disease go right into her. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, there's ladies going like this. And I'm like moving her and another lady. And I'm like moving her this way. And I'm like, you know, and I'm going. to, But it's scary. But pray for us. I'm, I'm scared. I'll be honest. I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death to start a new work, pioneer work. You know, uh, the missionary fears are, 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 are there. All of us experience it. I'm just being very honest uh, this, this afternoon, this evening. And, and I, just, I just need your prayers because I'm going to go. But, but I know if you guys pray for me, it, the, the fear will subside. And I'll get my eyes focused on Christ. And I'll go for it. And God will do what he wants to accomplish through me. And my wife and the whole team. Amen. Amen. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. What do you think God's going to say to him? Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Get out of here. You worthless. No, 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 no. Listen to what he does. Verse 5. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. God sends him an angel it's so amazing. It's so amazing how God cares for his, pay, for his people. Psalms 139, jot this down. You, you'll need this verse. Psalms 139, verse 17 to 18 says, if you can count all the grains of sand, that's how often you can think of God or that's how often God thinks of you. Amen. That's so amazing to me because I've done that. I've been down and out, and I've gone out to the beach, you know, and I grabbed the sand. I'm one, two, yeah, billion, three. Wow, God, you're amazing. You think of me that much? Here I am, a pity party, and and you think of me. In uh, Zephaniah 317, it says that he sings over you. Can you imagine that? He he sings over Pastor Ross. I can't even imagine what he sings, you know. And I wonder if if God has a beat to that, you know. How I love you, Pastor Ross, you know. (laughs) And, and, and lightning bolts are going out, you know, with every that God thinks of that with every one of you. Imagine that. Imagine that. You've come here tonight, and you're, you're by yourself. Maybe your husband left or your wife left, and you're like, this is just me now. Maybe you're, you're just lonely. And I hope these words encourage you because it's truth. God sings over you he loves you some have translated that he dances over you but that's hard for me to imagine that god is dancing over pastor ross you know that's just that stuff seems strange you know what is he doing indian dance you know or mexican what's that that's mexican uh over the hat that ain't indian my, my friend says if you want nepali you have to turn the light on and turn the faucet off he said, that's how you do and i'm like oh, okay I, I got that one <laughs> you know? i got that dance down Zephaniah 3, 17. <laughs> Listen to what else he does in verse 6. Then he looked, and there by his head was a Twinkie. I mean, a, a, a cake baked on coals. You know, uh, the, the team brought me cupcakes. Oh, my goodness. You, they were amazing, hostess cupcakes. I, you know, and that's why I am the way that I am. <laughs> you know. Uh, it's amazing the things that they provide for me, you know, and, uh, and that's just the Lord. Here it is, the Lord brings the cake baked on coals and a jar of water. Why? The body needs it, amen. The body starts to sink in that depression. If you don't eat, you don't drink, it gets worse. Your chemical balance goes off. And so my friends, eat and drink, you know, put a little into your body and find help. We're here for you. Amen. But God knows how the body works. He makes cake here and bakes it on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time. Our God is gracious. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give up on you. You might have given up on yourself, but he doesn't give up on you. He comes a second time, touched him and said, arise in me because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of the food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, to the mountain of God. So now he's in this mountain, and listen what happens. This is powerful. God is trying to awaken his soul. God is trying to get him out of that circumstance, that trial that he's in, to get his eyes off of himself and to get it on God. So God does this amazing work here. Verse 9. And there he went into the cave and spent the night in the place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, I was speaking to a young college uh, students a couple of weeks ago. And I said that very phrase to them. I said, you know, some of you guys need a wake up call. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? If it speaks to you, then so be it. What are you doing here, Elijah? Good question. He's saying, Elijah, you need to get out of that, that, that funk you're in that trial that you're in, that box you put yourself in, get your eyes back on me. That's what God is saying. What are you doing in this state? So he said, I have been very zealous. And, and, and here's, here's Elijah. You just pity me, poor me. Let me give you my excuse. So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. And so he's like, yakety, yakety, yak. And God's going, as if I don't know this, you know? (laughs) He just, poor me, pity me. You know, and we get there sometimes, you know? Let's get our eyes back on Christ. God is working in Elijah, and he's tender at it. He shows great things. Listen here, verse 11. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. Some of us need a wake-up call. Amen? Amen. Some of us need the wind, some of us need the fire, the earthquake, the whole bit, you know? And, and God can use whatever he, he wants, right? Because they didn't have cars in that time and your car breaks down or, God forbid, an accident, you know? What, may, what will God use to wake you up, to get you out of your circumstance, to get your attention? And God does this amazing work with Elijah and he may do that with you because he loves you. And he's just trying to, the, the old-fashioned, you know, slap them in the face when they're hysterical. That's kind of what's going on right now. Wake up, you know, you're in a, you're in a bad funk. And God does that to us still today. And I thank God, because he got, loves to keep us on the straight and narrow where we need to be. And so listen to what happens here. That still, small voice. I, I love that the Bible is clear about this, that when we give our lives to Jesus, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 says, the Holy Spirit stills us. He lives in us. He's in our soul. And that soul you cannot see in some x-ray machine. You can see all the bones. You can put all kinds of, you know, coloring into, your, into the arteries. You can see the heart moving. And you can see all the liquids flowing. But you can't see the soul can't see it in and, and, and by the way, that's why psychiatrists, they go mad because they, they can't figure out the soul. So they give you some kind of medication because medication changes the way that you're going. And sometimes they don't know what change it's gonna bring, but they give it to you. But they are trying to figure out the soul. They can't. The soul belongs to God. And this is where the Holy Spirit resides. He lives in your soul and he communicates there. So that still small voice is spoken there. It's there where we sense the God, sense God. It's there where you can say, "Oh, I feel the presence of God." It's there in your soul. He's there. The Bible says that the, the Trinity lives there. You have the divine nature of God in you, in you. And it's there where he speaks to you. Now, primarily, it's going to be through the word of God. That's why we have devotion every morning. We wake up and we read the word of God because it's there where he's going to speak to us. It's that still, small voice speaking to our soul that goes, goes right into our conscience, into our brains, and it begins to work there. That's why we must draw near to God. If we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. It's the promise, the still, small voice. He still speaks to us that way. You know, and if he has to use something to snap you out of the, the life that you're in, then so be it. You know, I, I'm staying in Connie and Mark's house, and, and I noticed there was a new fence and there was a little piece of roof in there. And I'm like, wow, what happened? I'm kind of looking up. So Mark catches it and he says, Well, Bon, you know, we had some uh, terrible things happen to us uh, not too long ago. And I'm like, What is that? And he says, you see those big, tall pine trees? They came down into our pool and took some of our gutter. And they didn't damage the house, but it came down. And, he, and I go, where were you? And he goes, I was outside collecting wood. I'm like, you were out there? And he says, yeah. And I go, what did Connie do? She thought I was dead. And I'm like, you know, and, like, and I kept flashing the light to her. And I go, but she thought that uh, you needed help, right? And he's like, well, she was panicking. And I'm like, well, yeah, I would panic too. The big tree, three trees. You know, you, you guys know these trees out here. Came down into their pool. The water went everywhere. And I was like, oh, hey, thank you, God, for that little attention. You know, is God speaking to Mark and Connie? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was for Mark and Connie. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> God can speak to us any way he wants. Amen. 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 And, and, and primarily it's going to be through his word Now listen to what happens there. And so, uh, of course, the Lord's, you know, he comes to him in a still, small voice and speaks to him mightily. Verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came near and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? I live the second time. So I just want to say this, that some of you are going to get the second voice from God. What are you doing here? Now, don't go home tonight thinking, oh, you know, that that voice is going to, you go to sleep and you're like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You know, you wake up, what am I doing here? You know, maybe that's for you. I don't know. Let's go on. Verse 14. And he said, and listen to how he, he repeats the same thing. Verse 14. And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Yakety yak, 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 yak. You know, he, he, he doesn't even hear God at this point. He doesn't see God moving. He doesn't understand how powerful God is. He has taken his eyes off of the great I am. And he's put it on himself as if he was doing the work. And so he sees no way out. And so now he's complaining to God again with the same phrase. I'm the only one left and I seek to take my life. But God is so gracious. The Lord's going to say, that's okay, Elijah. I'm going to send somebody else, three different individuals, back to Israel. And they're going to work among the nation of Israel in judgment, (laughs) in in, in cursing, and even in death. But you, I'm going to do something special for you. I'm going to take you from here. And I'm going to give you a new task, a new job. And not too long from here is when he's taken up in the whirlwind into heaven. Isn't that amazing? Our gracious God, he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. Listen to what it says here. In verse uh, 15, then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. And also you shall anoint Jehu the son of Nimchi as king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abo of Mahola. You shall anoint as prophet in your place. It shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, Jehu will kill, and whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I, will, I have reserved seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has uh, not kissed him. So there is the answer. He gives to Elijah that kind of gets Elijah out of his funk. Elijah, you're not the only one. There's 7,000, the remnant of God, that have not bowed down to Baal, the gods. And that kind of woke him up. Well, there's 7,000 like me? Yes, like you, Elijah. And Elisha is going to be one of those. Isn't an amazing story? Of course, God judges them because the nation of Israel will not repent. They keep turning to their false gods instead of the true and living God. So he sends judgment. Of course, that can happen. But at the bottom, at the very end of our story, God redeems them and puts them back into service. And God wants to do that for you, my friends. He wants to take you out of your fears. He wants to take you out of your anxiety. He wants to take you out of where you're at in your life right now and put you on higher grounds. Amen. Amen. He wants to take you out of that old life, that old situation, that old circumstance, that, that box that you seem that you, you can't get out. God wants to take you out of that. Our God is so gracious. I want to conclude with this. You know, if I was giving you counseling, I would sit down and give you the seven steps. This is what we're going to do, first step, but I'm just going to give you one step tonight, okay? <laughs> Here it is. Write this down. Adopt a correct view of God. That's the first one. Adopt a correct view of God. If you're worried, fearful, or despairing, chances are that you are failing to see just how capable and willing God is to keep all his promises to you. Consider these truths. God is faithful. He will always be there for you. Lamentations 3, verse verse 22 to 23 says this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is His faithfulness. His mercy begins afresh each morning. And amen. God is all-powerful, and He uses that power for your good. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. That's our great God. Make sure your idea about God our protector, match what he says about himself in the Bible. Why worry about anything when the creator of the universe is watching over you? Amen? Amen. We need to get our eyes back on God. That's the first step. Adopt a correct view of God. I find throughout all the churches in America, they have a wrong concept about God. They accuse him falsely of, of false things. He's judging me. He hates me. He's, you know, I'm the, I'm the, you know, the black sheep of the family. No, 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 no. The Bible said he loves you and he adores you. And you have this wrong concept about God, the God of judgment. That's not, that's not our God. He wants to bring you back into service. Amen. I'm a missionary. And so it's to me, uh, you know, when I was in America, I was a missionary in America to the Americans. And now that I'm in Nepal and India and Uganda, I'm a missionary to them. But it's our reasonable service to serve him. And that's what God wants to do for every one of you. He wants to get you from where you're at to serving him. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm going to ask Pastor Ross to come up and let's pray. Father, uh, I pray for those that are fearful right now or even having that anxiety. and They find no way out, Lord. I pray that tonight it would be different. Tonight, Lord, that you would set them free of their burden. That they would put their eyes back on you tonight, Jesus. That you would set them free. Lord, remind them, Lord, that we're here for them. Remind them that you're there for them. I pray, Lord, for great blessings for these men and women of this church who are doing great things throughout this world, Lord. I thank you you, Lord, that we get to be their hands and feet, and what an honor it is for us, and we just pray for more blessings upon them, Lord. Take this word, Lord, and put it deep within our hearts. If something to be challenged about where they're at tonight, Lord, may they hear that word, what are you doing over and over again tonight, Lord? If there's some crazy act of nature or something that's happening to individuals, Lord, may they cry out to you and say, Here I am, Lord. What would you want from me? Have your way with us tonight, Lord. Draw us close to you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Hey, I want to just have you stand up here for a moment. Just sharing response to you, to that message. Um, You know, you can take a globe and spin it, I have one in my office, and and just put your finger and just say, you know, when it stops, there's a need there. We've always been very careful with the resources that we have because we want it to be the Lord. We want to know that the hard-earned money that is given, To extend the work of the gospel is going to people who are the real deal and who are stewarding their gifts and their callings in a manner that's worthy of the gospel and uh, so the Lord brought these guys into our lives and I remember hearing his message and being moved in my heart and feeling like we want to partner with them and um, you know, we heard that their, their biggest monthly supporters had sent them a letter that said, so we're, we're reassessing and we're no longer going to be supporting you. And so our, all of us were in agreement and said, we're going to pick up where they left off. And so for over, uh, you know, a year or whatever it's been, we've been able to do that as a church and then send a team and so we support them monthly but I want to say to you I know that feeling of fear I know that feeling of starting with nothing and nobody and just wondering is anybody going to come back on Sunday the next Sunday you know and uh, sure enough God is faithful but you're not going to South India alone. You're going at the beck and call of the Holy Spirit who's called you there, and many people who believe in you guys are going with you, and we are also your partners there. And you know what? We can't all go down into the hole to, to help people uh, as you are, but we can hold the rope. We can send down supplies, right? And so it's such a joy to be able to look at the work and see what your wife is doing, what you're doing, and and those who you're mentoring and discipling and investing. And we're, we're able to support some of those seminary students as well. And so just to know that we're a part of that. And and on that day we stand before the Lord, the Lord's going to say, hey, thank you uh, about this person in India this person in Nepal. And we're like... Well, Lord, we didn't even go there, some of us, right? And he says, oh, yes, you did. You made it possible for me to work through this family, you know? So I just want to pray with you. And uh, I don't know if Heather is around. She's probably manning the back table. There you are. Why don't you come on up here? Pastor Adam, too. And we're going to pray a blessing over these guys. We're, We're going to increase our support oh, thank you. of these guys mm-hmm. and and we are gonna be heading toward uh <laughs> the Lord. are you kidding me <laughs> part of it is self-serving i mean i want in on this you know <laughs> i mean jesus said store up for yourselves treasures in heaven right he he's kind of asking us come on send it ahead you know, and so we're going to invest in you thank guys. You. We love you and believe in you. When you talk, it's like, oh, oh, man. When I see those pictures, I just thank God that I'm called the Santa Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> and I get to help guys like you, crazy guys, you know, out there. And yeah, we, we'll come visit.
2: <laughs>
1: we'll bring you <in> some ho ho <laughs> Oh, we want to ask God's blessing over you guys. Pastor Adam, lay one on him. Come on over here.
2: Yes, Heavenly Father, we're so blessed, God, to be able to see the work that you're doing in the hearts and lives of our missionaries and how that is flowing out into uh, lives of, of others around the world, Lord. You're so faithful, God, to bring many more sons and daughters to glory through the message of the gospel that's being preached. And help us, Lord, to be reminded not to be ashamed of this message. This is the power of God and the salvation of those who believe. And so how would they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless somebody tells them, Lord? And so thank you, God, for sending Bond and Heather and missionaries like them around the world. We just pray for them, God, that you would sustain them as you have done faithfully. Just as Bond mentioned, God, uh, looking back, or the faithfulness um, that can be tangibly seen over his life um, as he looks back and sees what you have done to get him to this point, Lord, he can have confidence, God, that you'll fulfill a promise to bring him to where you have him going in the future. So, Lord, we just pray for that um, that faith, and God, also for that faith, um, Uh, encouragement to continue walking and continue looking, continue praying for that person in the the village or in the the town, in the city, in the place, Lord, that would be the one who could unlock revival through um, being revived themselves and then being sent out into that place. Lord, thank you for the discipleship that's going on. We just pray for them, Lord, and we're so grateful to be a part of this work. And we pray, Lord, that you continue to sustain them, provide for them, protect them, Lord, their precious family. And, uh, Lord, we just look forward to what you have in store um, to see even more things happening, more Bible colleges, more churches planted, and certainly more individual discipleship, God. So go before them and lead the way, Lord, and um, help us to know how we might be involved as well to be a part of that work, we pray in Jesus' name. amen. 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 Thank you.
1: Amen. Uh, don't hurry off <clears throat> tonight. Give these guys some hugs. And uh, if you have any questions about how you might be involved, uh, they're available. So uh, let's conclude with uh, another word of prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, one more time. We just come before you. We're so excited tonight, Lord, and to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Lord, you said we can be co-laborers with Christ. That is so what a high and holy privilege it is, Lord, to partner with you and uh, those who you have called to serve you on the field. And so, Father, we commit ourselves to you, Lord. And as, as Bon said, Lord, here at work, at Costco, at Starbucks, at schools, and in our own families, at the dinner table, Lord, we've got to be missionaries. We've got to shine our light so others may see and uh, not miss out on heaven. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank All you. All right. Thank you. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.
2: <laughs> you have been listening to the Rock podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6:30 and Sunday mornings at 8:30 and 10:30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.